Presbyopia. That's our topic this morning. And I'm going to guess that uh, many of us in this room have presbyopia. Those of you who are here this morning, forgive me, we're going to do it again. <laughs> presbyopia is a Greek word. It literally means older eyes. It also means that our arms are no longer long enough to focus on the fine print. Presbyopia comes from, from the Greek, as I said. And you'll remember that the Greek Republic was governed by elected leaders, elders, known as presbyters. You'll also know that we as Presbyterians follow that model in our form of government, our polity, these thousands of years later. For we elect elders to lead the church in matters spiritual and temporal. And we elect them with the hope and the faith that with experience comes wisdom. So this morning we turn our attention to Bartimaeus, who was a blind beggar, who when he heard the large crowd coming down the road, shouted out to Jesus, begging for mercy. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now we remember that many in the crowd wanted him to be quiet. But he called out all the louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus heard him and stopped and said, Call him here. Notice that Jesus didn't call him here. Jesus had one of his disciples or one of the crowd call him here. He gave that task to others, and they did it. We remember that Bartimaeus threw off his cloak and sprang up and came to Jesus, working his way through the crowd. And what did Jesus say? What do you want me to do for you? Now, Jesus knew perfectly well, I'm sure, what Bartimaeus wanted. But Jesus asked nonetheless, because it seems important uh, for us to speak our desires, to ask. So Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus' answer was simple. My teacher, let me see again. Mark is very fond of the word immediately. Things happen right away in Mark's gospel. And Mark reminds us again of this immediacy for Bartimaeus immediately regained his sight. And rather than going as directed, for Jesus said, go, your faith has made you well, Bartimaeus followed Jesus. He came with Jesus. Now, to be sure, Bartimaeus' sight was restored. And he no longer needed to sit on the side of the road and beg. But I have to wonder, really, is it that easy to regain our sight? Is it that simple to regain our sight and follow the call of Christ? For seeing is so much more than just being able to see. Seeing is being able to understand. When we understand something after a time of complexity, 
don't we say, aha, now I see. So seeing is understanding as well as vision. Now maybe Bartimaeus, like some of us, perhaps many of us, had a blind spot. Perhaps he was unable to comprehend some of the mysteries of life, some of the mysteries of the call of faith. Barb and I recently got a newer car with BSM, blind spot monitoring. You know the one I'm talking about, the one that beeps at you when someone or something is near your car in your blind spot. And there's a little yellow warning light that comes up in the rear view mirror. It also beeps at you when you cross the center lines or the shoulder lines without using your signal light. And I have to admit that every so often when I'm driving, I like to drift a little bit across the line just to have it beep at me. <laughs> also, you put it in reverse and the camera comes on and you can see everything that is around you. But you still have to be able to understand the call of traffic, of pedestrians, of driving. So you can see, but you also still need to understand Now, we may have presbyopia, but we also have our blind spots, don't we? There are times we're unable to see clearly. We're unable to see the larger picture, perhaps unable to understand the complexities of our faith and the call to action that accompanies it. Mark tells us that Jesus said that faith will make you well. And indeed, faith made Bartimaeus well, enabling him to see and to understand and to follow. But just what is being made well? What does that really mean? Your faith has made you well. What does it mean to be made well? Is it getting everything fixed up just the way we want? by merely shouting out to God in prayer. I stumbled upon a metaphor the other day, which I like very much, but I fear that its time is limited. And it goes like this, prayers are not quarters, and God is not a jukebox. I think it's time it's limited because I think there's a whole generation or two that has no idea what a jukebox is. <laughs> But I come from the time when you went to a diner and at every booth was a jukebox and you flip through and you punch your quarters in and you hit some buttons and your requests are played for the whole restaurant, the whole diner to hear. But prayers are not our little instruction book to God. Prayers are our calls of faith, our cries for mercy, our cries for healing our cries to be able to see and to understand. And that is what makes us well. That is what faith will use to make us well. Perhaps not the way we might like, but we will be made well. For faith calls us to do things for the well-being of all creation and all creatures great and small. And that, I'm afraid, is not an easy task. For in order to care for all of that, we need to be able to see and to understand. 
We need to be able to see the world today, yes, with open eyes, to have vision. And for sure, we are aware of current events. But do we really see, do we really understand what's really going on in the world today? And are we able to see and respond and understand to the call of Christ in that world today? I know the day of jukebox is past, but Barb and I have been spoiled by Netflix and Hulu and those other streaming services. First of all, there are no commercials. You get to watch what you want, when you want. And you can stop it and go have dinner and clean up and then come back and pick it up again. It's really very nice. This week, however, we wanted to watch Jeopardy. And I realized how grateful I am to have been missing the endless stream of campaign ads, one after another, after another and after another, first for one candidate and then the other. And so many of them, nothing more than attacks on one's character, one's record, one's intelligence, and very little wisdom of the elders that I feel would qualify any of them for service. I wonder what would happen if someone would launch a campaign based on wisdom. And yes, you know, our mailbox is full, as yours is, I'm sure, of political mailers, which go immediately into the recycling pile. Elections are perhaps the most mortifyingly embarrassing part of democracy. Laws and sausages, no one wants to know how they're made. <laughs> I am delighted to be a part of a democracy. I am delighted to be a citizen of this nation. I'm delighted to be able to agree to disagree with my brothers and sisters here and there. But elections certainly bring out a low common denominator. And if that were not overwhelming enough in itself, we're dealing with a global pandemic now going into its sixth or seventh month. We see the infection rate continuing to creep upward a little bit, although treatment is getting more sophisticated and the death rate is declining, but we still are in the midst of a global pandemic. And so we hear of masks and militias including pot plots to kidnap the governor and to blow up bridges as a distraction. We hear of groups that are ready to fight for a particular understanding of freedom. We see street protests turn into riots. We hear and we chant that black lives matter and we hear that blue lives matter. We hear of essential workers and first responders of poverty and injustice, of immigrants and terrorists, and the list goes on and on and on, and it's at the point where we've had enough, 
and we want to be like Bartimaeus and sit on the side of the road blind to it all. But that's not what we're called to do. We are called, like Bartimaeus, to seek clarity, to seek vision, to seek understanding, and to follow and to go. And of course, closer to home, what does that mean for Greenfield Presbyterian Church in this time of major transition? You hear the transition all around us, the whole world around us. What does that mean for this congregation in this time of transition? Ah, yes, presbyopia, our old eyes, our tired eyes, eyes that perhaps in need of rest so that we might see clearly and understand. And at this time, as much as any time in history, we need faith to correct our vision. We need faith to be heard above the noise of the crowd. We need faith to sharpen our focus to get up and toss off our cloak and to follow the call of Christ. If only it were that easy as to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, because it's not just following along blindly. It's following the call of Christ to be good stewards of all of creation and to work for the well-being of that entire creation and all creatures, all the creatures, both great and small, those with whom we agree, those with whom we disagree. We are to bring Christ's well-being, Christ's sense of peace to all. Now, this is nothing new. This started with the covenant that God made with Abraham and Sarah and continued through the time of the judges and the kings and the prophets, and in God incarnate in Christ, and through voices over the millennia. A time to cry out, to shout out for vision, despite the stern ordering of the world, to sit down and keep quiet. So my prayer for the world, for the church, for this church, for our presbytery, for all our brothers and sisters, that we do not allow presbyopia or even blind spots or nearsightedness get in the way of us following our vision, our understanding of a faith in a world where faith will make things well. So let us then answer the challenge, the call of Bartimaeus and of Christ to go your faith has made you well to follow, for your faith has made you well. This we do ask and pray in the strong name of Christ Jesus, now and forever and ever. And all God's children say, Amen. Amen.